Hello, is this thing on? Of course it is. They can definitely hear us. Yeah, we're in our fourth season. There's no silencing us now. Welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion on health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And I'm Sarah Fung, and we are your podcast hosts. Please make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel where you can watch our podcast in video format. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. So we have a hot topic that we'd like to really discuss with you. It's been buzzing. It's reaching all sorts of news networks, and it is about privatization of healthcare in Ontario and Canada. What do you think everybody wants? Not privatization. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want privatized healthcare here. Yeah, this is crazy because I think that this has been really a slippery slope. And every time I hear anything about privatization, it's like, it's just one step closer to more and more privatization. And as a Canadian, I'm really proud of the fact that we have universal health care. However, it's not really universal if you right, yes. break it down. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that and what our thoughts are about what's happening. Yeah, I mean, Ford's plan to expand private clinics into Ontario will cost patients dearly um it'll cost their lives um and it'll actually make the healthcare human resources shortage so nursing as a profession staff shortages will get worse over time and this is actually something that the unions have said so five unions in can in ontario had come out so this would be uh, qp ontario nurses association opsu um sei sorry seiu healthcare and unifor all are against this plan that the doug that doug ford is proposing and i call her the minister of stealth care sylvia jones um, is also saying that you know this is something that's going to help healthcare workers it's going to help reduce the burden and you know i understand that they want to see changes like i understand our system's not perfect mm-hmm. i get that yeah we have been talking about our imperfect system for many many years but my question always is why are we using for-profit clinics so clinics that will be essentially being able to turn a profit and not only will it'll come from our bottom dollar we will be paying for this profit and not only that the fact that the the big concern is this whole um upselling so the fact that in the hospital we can't really upsell um we i've heard of some cases that it has occurred but i think it's few and far between but again if it is a private clinic they have that ability to then upsell patients and again that's where my concern is where we might not see those health equitable types of outcomes and again they're talking about removing um, surgeries such as like cataracts, um, hip and knee replacements, which I'm completely against because although um, some people would say it's not a major surgery, it is definitely a major surgery. I had knee surgery um, just last year and I could tell you it was very, very, very difficult. Yeah, I think like just to jump in there, I think there are a lot of uh, hidden costs associated with being in the hospital. So when we talk about having surgery, right? 
Uh, parking is not part of it. Yep. If you wanted a private or semi-private room, that's not covered. Um, and just for people that aren't totally aware of our healthcare system, there are a lot of things that aren't covered. So, for example, prescription drugs, if you're not um, admitted to a hospital, isn't covered. A lot of mental health services aren't covered. Dental care, eye care, for the most part, are not covered unless you have private insurance. There's a ton of things that aren't covered. And when we talk about moving surgery from um, a hospital to an outpatient clinic. It's a totally different environment. I think there are very few checks and balances that can occur. This is a new situation. And our minister talked about um, bringing, sorry, not our minister, but someone had talked about from the um, Physicians Association, bringing staff over. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We got to talk about that. Yeah. So let's run the clip from the agenda with this doctor actually saying that, you know, the best way to solve the healthcare crisis is to actually move staff from the existing hospital to the private clinics. Let's run that and hear that. Will this change help solve the current staffing shortage that we have, whether it's nurse burnout, two years of pandemic that we're going through, just in general, people seeming to be leaving this this industry, or will it make it worse? I think it's going to make it worse. I mean, the issue is the only, there's two things that need to be done. One is fast track major recruitment of PSWs, like Quebec did after the first wave. Three-month intensive training, like they did, get them out there. That's chronic care, hospital beds, long-term care, home care. Get them out working. Quebec did it. It's a model that could work. This government has refused to do it so far through the entire pandemic, and we're in a crisis across the board. Hospitals, home care, long-term care. For nurses, it takes longer to train them. In the short term, the only way to deal with this crisis is to attract back the retired nurses. We need them in the public hospitals. Like, it doesn't make sense to say, here, we're going to attract back the retirees to do a whole bunch of elective surgeries mm-hmm. and leave people who have complicated cancer treatment surgeries not able to get them. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to shift the financial resources or the human resources in that kind of skewed way. That's what this would do. No, we need them in the hospitals where they can provide the full range of services that patients need and where triage is based on need. I, I do want to add to that, and I'll ask this question, is, you know, the government recently announced that they are hopefully going to introduce new legislation that would allow healthcare workers from other provinces uh, in Canada work quite quickly here in Ontario. Does that change things at all? I mean, they have shortages too. Like... Uh, you know, what we're doing is if we're taking the existing pod, we're just, you know, rejigging an existing pod. I don't see a lot of hope in that. No, we need a big recruitment strategy. We need to change the working conditions so that they can recruit them back, you know, and they need a way to do it. Like if they were serious, we'd see a portal, a ministry portal. They'd have a way to Zoom people out of, you know, having just retired, you know, Mm -hmm. recent retirees back into various hospitals and so on to help. There would be some adjustment to the big complaints around workload, too many patients per staff, you know, um, around they would do something about the uh, for-profit staffing agencies that are cannibalizing the workforce and so on. You know, none of that is happening. Rose, I'm going to come to you uh, in terms of same question to you when we talk about human resourcing. Will this change help 
will this change help solve the staffing shortage that we see right now? We need a human health resource strategy. Ontario's doctors are concerned about the doctor shortages, the nursing shortages. I've worked in an emergency department for 20 years, and so clinically, I know the value, the critical value of every member of the healthcare team. And I also know what it's like to show up short-staffed and still the medical legal compassionate responsibility to provide high-quality good care to everyone um, who, who needs it. And so we need uh, a human health resource strategy that's why with a new introduction in Ontario of dealing with the elective surgeries that have been shelved um, and and wanting to bring our patients and, and get them access to those cataract hip and knee surgeries that they've been waiting too long for we need a human health resource strategy we need an implementation committee with all the key stakeholders at the table Ontario's doctors included you know I do see this this model as um, as being possible uh, a way to preserve uh, and even retain staff. When you think about a dedicated ambulatory clinic um, and, uh, and, and, and offloading the hospital ORs, where those same surgeries are at risk of being cancelled or postponed because a hospital OR has to deal with anything and everything that comes in. When you think about bringing those elective procedures out, then the idea is that the staff follow the patient. And so it may be that hospitals need less staff because those mm -hmm. procedures are being done in a different focused setting where studies show more patients can be seen and costs can be reduced. Um, measurements boast a better patient experience, a better um, provider experience, which may indeed um, bring back some of our early retirees uh, that have left the profession, um, nurses that have left because of burnout. This may indeed be a model of, uh, of retaining and recruiting more staff. All right, Martin. How bizarre was that, right? Like I thought for my for one second there that the like maybe I did really bad in math in school, but I just don't see how that adds up. You can't take staff from an existing hospital, move that staff to go with the patients, then where's the staff that's left to do the rest of this the surgeries? Like, <laughs> like we're in a yeah. critical deficit. We're not okay. I know this is a really bad analogy, but nurses are not bacteria. We can't just like replicate ourselves <laughs> overnight. <laughs> right? And that's like it's like stealing. It's like stealing from Peter to pay Paul. These nurses are coming from somewhere to go to these clinics. Where are they coming from? Where who's going to backfill them? It's not like we're like we're not dealing with over. Uh, supply of nurses here we're dealing with a severe shortage to be honest 100 percent, and that that's the other piece right the fact that you know i think the ontario nurses association and i said this number before twenty five thousand nurses so th this physician actually says oh you know this will actually help um with the crisis no it won't the the fact of the matter is is we have a backlog of surgeries we have a backlog of procedures that haven't been done so removing staff from one place to another place isn't going to actually change the outcome and it then here's where the math comes in, will lessen the amount of staff that's available to work in the hospital at that given time. But the other concern I have here, Sarah, is people will move to the private sector. If there's going to be more money that will be um, given to these nurses, again, they will lose certain protections. They're not going to be, most likely will not be a unionized position and they won't have the support of the hospital or the unions behind them. But it might be a position in which they are paid better. So mm -hmm. I, my fear is not only will we lose nurses um, just because, you know, we're, we're in a shit show here in Ontario, but because they might go to the private sector because they might make more money. 
What I didn't hear from this interview one time was better working conditions for nurses. No, because they don't I give a shit about us. They don't. Once. You know what made me really mad actually about that interview was the the physicians and that that journalist from the Toronto Star really was kind of tag teaming um, this really well spoken, highly highly powerful advocate for patients and families from the Ontario Health Co- uh, Coalition. Coalition. And it was just, it made me so angry because they're doing this kind of like two-sidedness. And we, if you poll any Ontarian, they do not want private healthcare. But again, people are saying, well, you know, this is not what the Ford government platformed. They said they never had mentioned it. There were subtle hints when Doug Ford had run his election about talking about privatization. I think Sylvia made a little Freudian slip when she was like, oh, something about private clinics. And then here we are mm-hmm. um this is where we we need to put our governments up to task we have to fight for what we believe is right for healthcare, and mm-hmm. i'm i'm super concerned as to the direction that we're taking and the movement that we're taking in relation to seeing more privatized forms of healthcare in our system what also really concerned me with what doug ford had said is he's already outright said that this is a permanent change so it's one thing if you say that oh you know we're gonna try it out we really know what trying it out means. It means <laughs> it's going it to be permanent. Here to stay, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then the fact is, he's already said outright that this is going to be a permanent change for the way that surgeries are run, where they're going to be conducted, and that makes me concerned with what his long-term plan is of, um, you know, what is really going to happen to healthcare. This is just surgery. What's next? We're going to have more and more private clinics with, you know, private funding, and we're going to be losing more nurses. I really don't know what's going to happen to the integrity of the healthcare system. <laughs> well, we are already seeing the degradation of the healthcare system. And I just want to read a couple stats here. So history shows that for for profit clinics siphon staff from public hospitals, focus on their business on providing services for patients with at, with least complex medical needs to maximize profits and leave public hospitals to care f- for um, patients with multiple severe and expensive to treat conditions. Death rates and costs are higher f- in for-profit surgical centers. And it also goes to say that for profit clinics, long-term care homes and nursing agencies have already um, cost Ontarians enormously and have seriously worsened the staffing shortage in our public system. With rising living costs and inflations, Ontarians need investment in publicly delivered health care, not a model that will use public funds to generate private profits while decreasing access for all. That is the main argument. How can we be in a system where we're now turning a profit? Why should healthcare ever be this this uh, system where it's about making money? And we know, we know, we, we've seen it in many different systems where when you start putting po- profits before people, you lose the integrity of the healthcare system. And what's going to happen and what already happens is that people of high socioeconomic status mm-hmm. um, who generally need the least amount of healthcare are going to benefit the most from private healthcare. They can pay to jump the queues. They can pay for tests that maybe aren't medically necessary. It's the people that have the uh, many health conditions that don't necessarily have the resources or the know-how to navigate the system that are really going to suffer. And they're already suffering. This is only going to make them, this is only going to, you know, widen the gap between the haves and the have-nots. A hundred percent. And I think I had this conversation with someone who was arguing with an interview that I had done on breakfast television about health equity. This person's like, oh, well, you know, I get a cell phone. When I go out and buy a cell phone, I can choose you know, uh, an iPhone 10, or I could choose an iPhone 12, or I could choose an iPhone 11. There's many choices. That's how healthcare should be. And it's like, 
hold on. This is not apples to apples. We are talking about people's lives. When you're looking at, you know, the fact that maybe this person can get this lens or maybe they can go for the upgraded lens or, you know, maybe they get the the cheapest lens. That actually is not the type of system that we're trying to create because we see that when you're putting those price tags on things like cataracts or various different mechanics for healthcare, people who can't afford it won't get the things that are that should be deserved to them. Mm-hmm. We should be seeing equitable outcomes for all people. And we know people who are racialized, people who are low socioeconomic status, people who can't afford or, you know, you know, if we're looking at inflation, people like gross groceries are at an all time high. What are people going to choose? Some people might say, you know, I can't actually afford to get that done, so I just won't do it. Or, you know, they get the crappy lens and their healthcare outcomes are poor. That's not the healthcare system that we want to see. And again, like, I think we just need to continue to hold our government's feet to the fire. So two months before the election, the government was committed to supporting the province's public health care system. He said that they will not expand the use of function for private hospitals or private health care clinics. And this was something that Doug's, uh, Doug Ford's spokesperson said on CTV News. And then two months after the election, what did they say? We're increasing the amount of surgeries and diagnostic diagnostics performed at private health facilities and that was specifically what doug ford said to the toronto star we all are needed to be a part of this conversation to make change yeah i also read another interview recently by doug ford where he said multiple times all you need is your ohip card never your credit mm-hmm. card <laughs> wait then, wait you guys wait and then he wouldn't answer a reporter's question about whether or not clinics would be allowed to upsell patients on associated elements of care he kept saying they need more or time what he really should have said is that we need more nurses not right. more or time that's an administrative issue we're talking about a human health care issue um so I find that really interesting. And the fact is, he's never really talked about retaining nurses. He's nope, talked about... Ne- I've never yeah, heard it. He's nope. always talked about beds as though, like, you know, you just hammer a bed together and there's your bed. And the care will just happen out of thin air. But it doesn't work that way. He also mentioned in another interview that they've hired 60,000 nurses. And I'm like, what? Where but are like, they? But like, Where are they, But let's Ford? talk about the Where? number of nurses that have already left. Does that account for that? Like, I, I feel like this number is a little bit extreme here. And I wonder if it's nurses versus, like, healthcare professionals. Like, are right. PSWs and other people lumped into that group to inflate those numbers? Like, right. I'm really cognizant of that. And you also touched on another point. So talking about the ORs, and again, this is where I know that these people, politicians, they don't actually go into a hospital. Because... I know my cousin's an OR nurse, how those ORs run. Like he's like, oh, by three o'clock, sometimes we're not doing anything. Um, What happens at the end of the day? Well, when the OR shut down, why can't we use that, that space, that time to continue to do surgeries? Why does it have to go to a, a for-profit model? I don't understand why we have these blocks of time where there's nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Surgeries are shut down for all intensive purposes. Why aren't they using the same public space to actually do this work. Remember that hospital that we worked at that we won't name that had like how many floors that weren't even opened yet? I mean, (laughs) like we have all these spaces and all these resources, but we're putting money into people's pockets. It makes no sense. And it's like, there were already people that were already kind of vying for, you know, having more access to this kind of like privatized healthcare space. And there's conversations that are like, oh, you know, Doug Ford tipped these people off. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
but it seems a little bit suspect to me. As as my kids would say, it seems a little sus to I me. I knew you were going to say that. I've had my it's kids say that too. sus to me. But, but like just going back to the model where you said, oh, with everything ends at three. If you think about an MRI machine, right? Like my husband's actually been booked for an MRI at 2 a.m. before. Yikes, that yeah. thing runs 24 hours. So to say that we can't do surgery, that's just not thinking creatively. Is it because people don't want to work those hours? Is it because we just can't? Like what are the actual reasons? Maybe we need to break that down a little 100%. more. 100%. I think that we should change the way that we do things before we break the system down but that's kind of what's happening so one of the other things that the ontario health coalition said and i again i applaud these folks so much again they said that our hospitals are in an unprecedented crisis over almost 100 emergency departments had temporary closures within ontario community hospitals are overwhelmed patients facing grave risks as the Ford government continues to downplay the staffing crisis we've talked about this extensively and again he's using this crisis um, of nurses of staffing to use this as a justification to privatize our hospitals and i want to mention this quote from no uh noam chansky if i think i said that wrong so please correct me um for botching his name but he did say this there is a standard um there is a standard technique of privatization defund it so it doesn't work complain about it how it doesn't work privatize it and it will get worse right so the public is going to see that healthcare has crumbled, right? We know that this is the situation we're in right now. Doug Ford's going to swoop in and save the day. Oh, everything's working again, but it's private. And again, we have to think about who's going to benefit most from the private um, healthcare. Who's pushing it the most? Yep. It's people that have money. It's people that are going to benefit. It's people that are not really in a situation where they need to have uh, services paid for by OHIP. That's who's going to really profit from this. Yeah, and yeah. is is this a choice that is um, a, ne a necessity? No, it seems much more political to me. It seems more of a political choice to make to make these changes, and it's not actually a necessity because we. I don't feel that we have examined all of the various different avenues to in relation to this privatization act that Doug Ford's kind of trying to bring in. And I feel that he's making a choice to take funding and direct it to private services for profit clinics instead of giving it to our public hospitals. Yes, our public hospitals aren't working as efficiently as they can, but I think there's other mechanisms and other ways to actually do this through public services. And I think the Ford government, again, is engaging in privatization across various different sectors. So whether it's in long-term care, home care, with COVID-19 vaccinations, surgeries and diagnostics, I agree with you, Sarah. I don't think it's going to end there. Well, and I also think that I was asked recently in an interview, what can change? I think there needs to be more focus on primary and home care. There's a lot of opportunity there to uh, beef up that system. Honestly, most people want to receive care in their homes. They want to be in their homes. That's a much more cost-effective way to deliver care. There's just so little money being given to home and community care. Even primary care, family doctors, they're suffering. I read an article recently that there is a family physician who's 400K in debt. Holy. And he's not covered for anything except the actual visit. None of the administrative work, none of the overhead. And he's doing it because he loves the work he does. It's not because of the pay he is or isn't getting. Right. I mean, I think this is where, again, healthcare professionals need to take a stand. We need to start talking about what's happening, what will happen in the future if we continue down this path. Again, we can't just juxtapose it to the U.S. system. We have to mm -hmm. say that here are what can here are some of the damaging things that can happen right here in Ontario. I think it has to touch people where they live. And I think that, you know, um, we need politicians involved. I haven't really heard much from Justin Trudeau in terms of 
what's happening from the federal level. And I think that, you know, the fact that he still hasn't engaged in some of the conversations like you met, mentioned, um, he hasn't engaged in fixing the crisis where it stands, which is a human resources shortage of nurses. What are some of the things that he's going to do to keep nurses I don't know. Do you know how he's keeping nurses here right now? He's suing nurses. He's suing nurses and other healthcare providers in this province because over bill 124, the courts threw it out, said it was unconstitutional. It was deemed unconstitutional. It was a win. And he's taking using public dollars, taking us to court. So again, I think one of the easiest solutions would have been just, it died. You lost, you lost Doug Ford. And instead of letting that die, he's fighting nurses. And that's, an I would say it's one of a, a huge reason why nurses feel demoralized, dis- disrespected here, and don't want to be, don't want to work, continue working in this type of environment. And you might have heard recently that they're allowing nurses from one province to go to another, right? Yep. So this is not, again, creating more nurses or retaining nurses. This is just allowing nurses to move from one area that's short nurses to another area that's short nurses. Yeah. And I worry about some of the more rural communities because a lot of nurses already don't want to go there. So if you're giving them an easy way to go to a bigger metropolitan center, they'll probably leave. Yeah. And I really worry about that. Again, we're not creating more nurses. We're just moving the ones around that are already there. Yep, I agree. I mean, it's a uh, the main problem he hasn't dealt with. And again, I think this is where we talk about some of the concerns we're seeing. Again, just an underappreciation and under respect or, or disrespect for nurses and just that he's underspent in healthcare in general. He's underspent by over by a billion dollars. And we can see it. We're seeing all the corners that are being cut in, in healthcare because of whatever... I'd say political gain. Like, I I can't see why we are taking the steps that we are taking. It just makes no sense to me. But I think we just have to talk about, like, what can people do? What are some of the solutions? What can, how can people be involved and get involved in making changes with what's happening right now? Well, I think you can get involved if you're part of a union, get involved in your union and see what they're already doing so you can um, amplify their actions. We always say that you need to be politically involved. Uh, Talk to your local politician, um, support the ones that really care about healthcare and nurses, see if you can get behind some of the work that they're already doing. Those are some first steps. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the other piece is, you know, reach out to the folks that are already kind of petitioning and standing against the against privatization find out what you can do where you can go um also just about you know like when when um these coalitions are essentially saying that you know we need to see change showing up like i think that's another big piece like i know Mm -hmm. you know maybe it takes time out of your day but i think showing that that sense of solidarity is hugely important we need to say no to private hospitals and private clinics these aren't the solutions um again private hospitals actually violate the canada health act by charging user fees and extra billing and upselling Uh, they take um, healthcare professionals from public hospitals, creating larger staff crises, and they also prioritize profit over patients' health. Again, at the end of the day, we want to see better patient healthcare outcomes. Mm-hmm. We do need a system that changes, and it has to change with the times, and it has to evolve. But I just don't think that this is the right way. So I, I really urge folks to, you know, write their MPPs, write their MPs, get out there and start making ways because it will 
affect you. I think there's a lot of things in healthcare that people will be like, oh, you know, it's not going to be me. This is not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. It will affect you. It will affect you one of these days. And another really effective way is get on social media and stand behind the people that are doing the work that you support. So whether that be a politician, a nursing association, another organization that maybe is grassroots, uh, social media is very powerful. It can be used for good and bad. Choose to use it for good like we have. Um, I think that's another easy thing that anybody can do. So again, the other thing that is really important is that private healthcare actually costs up to five times the cost of public healthcare delivery. So I think this is where people don't really understand that although he's saying that, you know, we're having these for profit clinics, we have to pay for the for profits. Mm -hmm. And where is that money coming from? Because he's saying it's coming from public dollars that comes from your taxes, guys. Yeah, Ladies, yeah. gents, um, folks out there, it's coming from your taxes. And let's see what will happen in the next couple of years when they're saying, oh, you know, um, this is not really working. We're paying too much taxes. We're, su we're, we're angry about this. We want our taxes reduced. Well, the private hospitals are here to stay, right? Now we're going to reduce your, your, your taxes. But um, these organizations already exist and we need to continue to fund them. If we just look south of the border, right, like in the States, if you look at their overall healthcare expenditure and the average um, life expectancy, it's actually really high expenditure and a lower life expectancy. So for a totally for-profit healthcare system, this is what can happen. Yeah. And the other thing, I think the last thing that I'd like to say is like, we're already in this shit. So um, vote. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what else to say. Like we have Doug Ford for another three years and I plead, I'm pleading with you, vote, vote in the interest of public funded health care and ensuring that, you know, you're going to be your grandkids, your kids are going to be able to receive health care the way that it was intended and designed to be to be made. Please vote. We saw the lowest voter turnout in mm -hmm. all of Ontario yeah. over the last election. Um, that's insane. It's high. People just didn't show up. Yeah. They just didn't show yeah. up. And now, oh, my gosh, what's happening to our health care? Well, you didn't vote. And now this is what we get. So I urge you, please do your homework, do your research, ask questions. We're out here trying to like wave the flag, put the red flags up about what's happening in healthcare, And we need people to vote like yeah. you got to show up. Right. And I think we're beyond the point now where you can't say I don't know where to find the information because it's out there. You could talk to your local politician. You can find it online. If you've never voted before, here's your opportunity. Please vote. We need a higher turnout rate everywhere, not just in Ontario. I think everywhere yeah. could benefit from a higher turnout. Yeah, young folks, get out there. Learn about the politics. This is your future. Like, it's 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 going to be about, uh, you know, the young folks that are coming in. Yes, everyone should be voting. I think voting is the main thing that we're suggesting for many different reasons. You need to know what's happening in healthcare. Uh, we always say that healthcare is political. This is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said that any better. Um, so if you like what you hear, please rate and review us. Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us at The Gritty Nurses. And also, if you want to drop us a line, you can email us at grittynurses at gmail.com. If you are a fan of our podcast we are on apple podcasts spotify google iHeartRadio, all your major podcast platforms make sure that you also hit that subscribe button rate and review us thanks so much for listening take care everyone thanks vote <laughs>